there, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm one of your hosts, Angel, with John Pepe. How's it going, Angel? <laughs> it is going. It was just fucking good to finally read some books this week. Yes. And stuff it's like a couple that. Good ones. Yeah, it's been rough like the last couple of weeks, like really slim pickings or just not being interested in stuff that's coming out. Just because, right. yeah. We're like, don't, 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 ju- don't judge a book by its cover, but just every fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's all good. Um, yeah, guys, welcome to another episode of the Indie Comic Review. Uh, this is episode 114, and we have a couple of books from you. Actually, not, none of the books that we have are from Image, which is crazy because they're like one of the biggest, you know, say, in quotation marks, indie uh, publishers out there. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, small publishers out. I, one of them I'm just not crazy about, but that's just a me thing, and we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, but we do have three books for you this week. Uh, we don't have really any news. I think we should just hop right into it, right? Yeah. Uh, let's go right on into it. Um, any news I think that popped this week really was more of James Gunn, Superman legacy Dude, stuff. So many stuff. things being added to that cast. I know, like, I know. What the hell is this movie going to... Like, I'm excited because we're getting characters that we haven't seen yet, right? I mean, we've seen, we've seen Hulk Girl on small screen. Yeah. And I think when they had Hulk Girl on, that was on uh, Legends of Tomorrow, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, she was pretty good. I liked her. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we haven't had her on the big screen yet. Then we're getting Mr. Terrific. Which is cool. fucking cool, but fucking Who has crazy. also been on the small screen as well on Arrow, but this is hopefully however, better. However, the best fucking casting is fucking, uh, what is it, uh, Guy Gardner. Yeah. Holy shit. You couldn't pick, like, you look at him, and then you look at uh, what he did in Guardians 3. Yep. You look yeah. at him in Suicide Squad. Yep. That's fucking Guy Gardner. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, what's Richard Gillian, right? Uh, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion. There you Close. go. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, hey, rhymes. Rhymes. Definitely rhymes. But wasn't like... he? He was. Uh, that was uh, uh, Serenity, also, right? He was Serenity, Firefly guy. He Firefly. also voiced Hal Jordan on. Um, yes. Uh, a bunch of uh, animated stuff. Um, one of the things that, that that caught my eye though was someone asked James Gunn. Uh, so so is Nathan Fillion going to have a bull haircut? And James Gunn said. <laughs> Don't you think if I was going to cast Nathan Fillion, it would be for the express purpose of putting him in a bowl, Eric? So, uh, that was going to be hilarious. Like, like there are certain things or certain people that are just certain characters, right? Like Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark, 100%. Yep. Look from the comics, straight out of the comics. Nathan Fillion, fucking Guy Gardner. Definitely. Straight up. And uh, uh, the other one that broke late yesterday, too, was Metamorpho. That Metamorpho is going to be yeah, with the creepiest was... actor working this day. To this Zaz. day, this guy. Yeah, Zaz. Uh, um, yeah. But, yeah, because he, no, he has no hair at all on his entire body, right? The actor, I, sure. I he don't doesn't know have him, any but... eyebrows. You're right, he doesn't. No, yeah, he's got to shave he, him. He's got to shave. No, him. no, no. I think he might have like I don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's alopecia, but uh, but where just there's no hair at all on his entire oh, wow. body. That's cool. So yeah, smooth as a baby's ass. Uh, but yeah, Metamor. Like, what kind of movie is this gonna be? Like, I'm really intrigued now because there's so many different characters, but none of them are relatable to one another. Is it even a Superman movie at this point? No, he said it's very much a Superman movie. Uh, Mr. Terrific and Metamorpho were both on the team called the Terrifics. Right. Uh, so a lot of people are saying, oh, this is going to set that up. 
But then so, what does Hog Girl come in? Right. I mean, maybe just throw her on the team or what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. All right. Well, we got what at least two years before it comes out, so we'll, yes. we'll be okay with that. But yeah, and, and, and five announcements every day between now and the next two years, it seems. You know, I'm, I'm going to start staying off. Then I have to because even with the spoilers with uh, uh, Hugh Jackman and the oh, yellow right. and blue suit, I mean, it yeah. looks fucking fantastic. Yeah. But it would have been just great to be like super surprised at the freaking uh, um, with the movie. Nothing uh, is out. surprising anymore, man. It's crazy. Ugh, we live in a sucky day and age of technology. It ruins <laughs> everything. It's not even technology. Like, technology is great. It's people out there that just want to get at the scoop first. Yeah. And just throw it onto the internet and ruin everybody's fucking day. Damn, we'll start. Pictures. We'll just start making stuff up just to get the clicks. We should. I'm just going to start Photoshopping shit. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. So we're going to hop into it again. Like I said, guys, this is episode 114. Uh, these are books that we have for uh, July 12th in the year of our Lord 2023. So I'm going to actually have John starters off. So this one is Sirens of the City. Woo yes. Woo-woo. Very cool book, Sirens of the City. Uh, so this is from Boom Studios. Uh, okay, it, before you continue, yeah. So I was I was talking about why I didn't like this certain uh, publishing company, and yeah. it's Boom, Boom, yeah, fucking. So they had uh, the John Wick book, the Berserker book, which was great, but on the back of each book, and I don't know if anybody can see this. Let me do this real quick. Uh, on the back of each oh, this, book, this thing again. There's barcodes, right? So you read the barcode, and the barcode for the company is right here on the body, very bottom. So if you're watching this, it's probably like backwards time. Up here, it's supposed to tell you what issue number it is, what uh, variant number it is, and then the printing number. Right. So the very first number that you see, the one all the way at the very end, that's the print number. Yeah. So if it's a one, that's the first printing. Yeah. The two next to it is the cover. So right. This is a cover B. This is not the main cover. Right. And then the number next to that <laughs> is supposed to be the issue number. This is not issue 10. This is issue fucking one. So hold on. So the book that I have beside me that's going to be later on is right over here, right? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, it right there. there. Yeah. Yep. Boom. Look okay. at That's how it should one, look. Right. One, right. one. Right. That's what it should look. That's issue one, A cover, first printing. Boom. Get your shit together. See now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here's my take on this. What? Maybe they do. Maybe they're realistic because they know these series are going to go double digits at Get most and not triple digits. So yeah. it's not the zero zero one for like three digits, right? Because that's like your big books, right? Like, so like a book that has a hundred issues, a hundred issues would be one zero zero, right? Right. And it's high hopes. I always drives me nuts on the cover. When it says zero issue zero zero one, like your book's not gonna hit three digits, right? It's just just put it a one, right? So I think maybe that's what that's maybe that's what Boom is saying. They're just saying, look, nothing's gonna go more than more than ten, 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 uh, ten, no, ten. no, because and then if they hit issue ten, it's gonna look like issue one hundred, which is not right. It's dumb. It's stupid. Just change it. <sighs> Forget it. All right. Go ahead, continue. Sorry, that's my that's my rant. Sorry, right. bitches. And Everybody that, else does it the other way. And that, folks, ruined the entire reading experience for Angel <laughs> Barcode. Uh, no, so this book, Sirens of the, of the City, by uh, Boom Studios, who does, does not know how to do the barcodes, uh, is written by Joanne Starer, Starer, uh, illustrated by Kari Randolph, lettered by Anne World Design. 
uh, designed by Grace Park, assistant editor Carolyn Butler, and editor Daphna Pleben. Uh, and uh, logo designed by John J. Hill. Special thanks to Rob Levin and Tanya McKinnon. Uh, why not? Just give all the credits there. Uh, cool. This is a neat book, man. This takes place in 1987, New York City, and you basically have a... Um, a girl who is who was left at the doorstep of a family that has fostered her uh, up until this point where she starts to display certain powers and she is kicked out of her, her house uh, and goes to New York City and starts kind of circulating among the punk rock and art scene of 1987 New York, uh, which is kind of cool. You you have a lot of like familiar land, landmarks from that time, like the Chelsea Hotel um, and other little things, uh, which at times to me are sort of like little like name drop Easter eggs, like, Oh, look how 1987 New York, this book is because here's the Chelsea hotel and people are still living in it. Or here's a guy drinking hood milk, you know? So I, th I found that very interesting and very funny um, as far as the way those things pop up. But um, what I did like, uh, you know, uh, was the way the story unfolds as she encounters people um, who you sort of start to get more of a sense of who she is and what she is, as well as people from her past sort of come back into her circle and how they all connect is very fascinating and interesting. It all kind of comes to a head at this uh, party at the Chelsea Hotel and um, where these different factions are all kind of in the same room and they're all kind of discussing her, but she's largely unaware of it. And the way the information is disseminated out is really neat because you get drips and drabs of information. You get little pieces, but you don't necessarily get the whole picture. So even by the end of the first issue where you get a sense of who she is and what might be going on, there's still enough of a mystery, I think, to carry you through to the next issue. Um, so I thought that was really neat. I don't want to necessarily give too much away about what happens because I feel like there's I don't know. There's some nice organic surprises as this, uh, this story goes on. Uh, I thought Carrie Randolph's artwork was really nice, really kind of, kind of detailed and puts you in there. Um, almost too detailed in some parts where I feel like some of the fashions might be a little too contemporary from what I remember from 1987. Uh, but I feel it works overall for the entire story. Um, where it does, you know, again, it's, it all feels very grounded in the real world with these heightened things with the people who do have these powers, uh, and different power sets and then different factions and how they all deal with each other is really cool. Plus, uh, coloring, it's largely a black and white book with spot coloring, not just red, but blue, which I think works really well to contrast with sort of who people are and what their intentions are in this story. Um, so really fascinating. Uh, again, little bits of information are revealed in this, in this first issue, but, but, um, uh, you know, but like I said, it's not the full picture and it really does make me want to see more of what's going on. Uh, so I really liked what was going on in this first issue and, uh, and, and I think it's going to pan out really nice. It's a gorgeous looking book. So, uh, yeah. yeah. For sure, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, actually, I, I picked up the. Uh, let me see if I can bring this here. Uh, I picked up the uh, yes, the frizz on cover because you know she's such a great artist. 
Um, just really, really, really solid there and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, this book reminded me of uh, a book that we reviewed not a while back. Uh, I hate this place mm. uh, where it was like they were throwing everything in there. It was aliens and monsters mm-hmm. and a kitchen sink and stuff like that. And when I read it, I hated it. But when we reviewed it, it kind of like it, it took us around. Um, and I think you continued with it. Um, and I think it was just one of those things that it was trying to be everything. And as I was reading this, I was reminded of that because there was a lot that was going on. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There's still so much that we need to know. Like she's in search of a woman by the name of Diane Gold. Yep. We don't know who she is. We don't know if that's her mother that she's seeking. Um, obviously, she's wandering through the streets of New York, uh, homeless. Uh, things happen to her with two different sets of men um, in, in, in a scenario. But the scenario takes them together in sort of like this triangle and this one particular place. Mm-hmm. All the while, she has these powers that I don't know if she knows what they are or who she is. She yep. just knows how to use them kind of thing. But then we have other things that pop up, like vampires. And at the very end, that reveal of the freaking, I'm not going to give it away, but a different set of supernatural creatures. I was like, what the fuck is this book trying to be? Mm-hmm. But with that being said, the like the the artist, really, really solid work in, in, in panel control and mm-hmm. being able to control the story throughout. The, the art is beautiful. I love that black and white. And then with just a splash of color here and there to kind of just bring emphasis either to like uh, a blood stain or, you know, her power ability coming out in that blue and stuff like that. Um, red being in the background to show anger um, in some of the panels, which is really good. And then at other times using red to show like uh, emotion of love or, or happiness. So it was really great contrast uh, in that respect. I think the character designs were really, um, really cool and unique. I love the whole like '80s kind of like, you know, setting and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it because I want to see where it's gonna go because there's so much in this first issue, and it's not even oversized. Right, it's a regular size issue, um, 32 pages or whatever it is. Um, but they packed so much into it, so it was really hard. And I think when you do that, it's really hard to invest. I, I guess character development. So we just know that she has a lot of attitude, but we don't know anything more than that um, in our respects. So, and then I think what was more interesting than her were her support characters. Yeah. Like the girl that she meets, uh, the boy that she met uh, with the gold chain, and then the guy that tries to pick her up and stuff like that. Uh, They're so different and unique from one another, different voices, uh, that it kind of drew me in. And then everybody else said, was in that room too. Just yeah. really, really cool. And she, right now she's just a mystery. Um, right. Just a lot of anger and I guess in search of something and a lot of attitude. What we would yeah. expect from a, because t- she's only what, 16, right? I think that's, yeah, I, I forget if they give the exact age, but it's insinuated that she's very young. Yeah. Yeah, she's young. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, and you brought a great point about, yeah, the, the differences of the characters, like each character is so different and unique that it's easy to follow. And a lot of them are such, it's almost like cliches or of, of, of 1987 sort of iconic stereotypes, even like 
the two guys that she's choosing with. Like one is like, you know, a she's gotta have it era, Spike Lee, yep. Mars Blackman, yep. the like B-boy, you know, with the Kangol hat and the, the track suit. The other guy she meets uh at the the, the art show, uh very much like an early, well, even like till now, Lenny Kravitz, because Lenny Kravitz has consistently just been that same look almost throughout, you know. Right. So these uh the the woman she meets at the party, uh very Janet Jackson-esque, like so so it was things like that these little touchstones like that that like you know someone who grew up back then like i was like oh okay i recognize this type of character and i recognize like what, what this person's vibe is sort of you know and it's carried uh really well through the art too um you know very dynamic and characters are very fluid and in motion throughout the line work as well that randolph does so i really yeah. love the character work in this i thought that was fantastic yeah really really interesting so it's 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 one of those books where i'm just like i, I, I need to scratch that itch of to find out what what happens next, um, but yet so like overwhelmed with the amount of information that we got, which was a lot, but still don't know anything. Right. It's, just, it's like sensory overload. But yeah, check it out if you like uh, supernatural stuff and you know unexplainable stuff. Sirens of the City, Boom Studios. Just change the freaking the barcodes. Barcodes, assholes. And why not? All right, moving on. I'm gonna leave that one alone. All right, so your next one. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this is from Scout Comics. It is Midnight Western Theater, Witch Trial. Uh, and it has a proper barcode angel, just so you see on the back there. Yeah, it's Scout uh, Comics. They're, yes. they're good people. <laughs> so they, they, they listen to you. Uh, this is um, written by Lewis Southard, illustrated by Butch Mappa, colored by Sean Peacock, lettered by Buddy Baudouin. Uh, and it is edited by Andrea Lorenzo Molinari, uh, with production by Marcus Gilroy. And, uh, this is actually, and I kind of thought this was the case when I picked it up, but, uh, I wasn't quite too sure, but I picked it up anyway, because it looked cool. Uh, this is actually a prequel. About a couple mm. years ago, there was a five-issue miniseries called Midnight Western Theater. And uh, that was written by Lewis Southard uh, and illustrated by David Hahn. And apparently, uh, about a year ago, there was news that that was going to be developed as a TV show. And then there was this whole thing where I think it was uh, Lewis Southard was like, yeah, look, I got a problem with Scout Comics. Uh, they didn't really deal with me on optioning this for a show. Uh, so the show is possibly in doubt. Any future comics are in doubt. Uh, but it looks like that all got resolved uh, in some form because I don't know about the show, but here we are. Lewis Southard is back and he is doing this prequel miniseries uh, without David Hahn. Um, but, uh, but he is apparently still going ahead with this. And I got to say, as a first issue of a prequel, uh, this is a very good opening issue, great opening chapter. Uh, basically, you have a protagonist, uh, one of the two protagonists from the initial miniseries, uh, Hortensia Thomas, or in that series, the woman in black, as she was known. Um, you basically see her beginnings, her from a little child uh, as a, uh, basically she was involved. She was the, the sacrifice in a sacrificial um, uh, ritual to try and summon Satan. Uh, which instead summoned a different demon um, who then 
basically says, I get to choose my vessel and who's going to get my powers. Uh, and it's none of you old guys that, that did the ceremony. It's mm. the girl that you sacrificed. She's my vessel. So he kills all them. And apparently his powers go into her. And then we pick up about nine years later. So she's like a young adult now um, as she is basically working with another um, older woman, um, Sarah Bliss, who is sort of her caretaker, but also her guide in this world of the occult, uh, including zombies. So it, the next scene with her basically is, uh, or sorry, Bishop, not Sarah Bliss, Sarah Bishop, the Wild West witch. Uh, but basically the opening scene where you, you see this woman as an adult, this uh, Hortensia Thomas, uh, is a zombie fight. And she's in a church and she's just killing zombies left and right. And it's a really cool action scene. And um, then you kind of get into her story from there as her and Sarah Bishop basically are just supernatural trouble troubleshooters in the old West. Uh, but then of course, certain things do come, uh, come calling certain things from Sarah Bishop's past are, do come looking for Hortensia because of this power that she possesses. So, Really cool imagery, really nice, clean line work, uh, really neat coloring that sort of has this sort of like yellow wash to it almost. Mm. Um, but it's or, 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 you know, uh, that that kind of I think feels like the old west. So I kind of like that. It kind of gives you like just that that really sets that atmosphere. This will just kind of show this really quick if you can see. Little bit of what I'm talking about, right? Let me uh hang on. It's not like a full wash or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's like nice little earth tones. Plus, you got the creepy, creepy play doctor mask there, which is always a good thing. Yeah, always always good for freaky imagery there. So um the original Midnight Western Theater miniseries was uh definitely a full narrative arc, but almost told in a series of vignettes, almost like in a series of short stories. This looks to be a fuller narrative across uh, however many issues it's going to be, kind of, I guess, explaining how Hortensia becomes the woman in black that we do meet uh, initially. Uh, so I think that this is actually a great introductory issue that... Uh, uh, this is probably where you would want to start rather than the first miniseries uh, mm. in the way that it is written and constructed. Um, plus, uh, Southern's writing has, has improved a lot in the last couple of years as well. So a lot of the character voices are a lot more fluid uh, and, you know, scene transitions are, are, are a little more, you know, uh, uh, tighter and, and, and a little less disjointed than the initial miniseries. Initial miniseries is really good. There's no doubt about that. But as far as a starting point, I really thought this was a great first issue um, that really propels you into what's to kind of come later. So, okay. so I love it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's, it's weird that, you know, you get prequels or, yeah, to stuff that already came out. Because, um, I don't know, it's, it's like watching a prequel to a movie. You know it's going to happen already eventually because uh, it has to be the storytelling because if the storytelling isn't good, then there's nothing to keep you there because you already know the end result. You right. know that she's going to end up becoming this person. Um, so that journey to becoming that person needs to be interesting to hang on. And you're telling me right now that this first issue is 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 interesting enough. Yeah. Oh, I felt it was really compelling and just really well written uh, and really, really sharply illustrated um, that as a comic, I just really enjoyed what it was doing um, that even I didn't notice at first that it was a prequel 
as I was going through, um, you know, because I forgot the original miniseries and I kind of mm. had to go back. Uh, and, and so I thought, okay, wow, this is actually a lot stronger than that as an introduction. And I think that's sort of like, again, I think that's sort of, you want to get your to story told, right? And you have a larger story. Mm -hmm. And you kind of are like, well, maybe if I start at the very beginning, I'm not going to get to this piece that I want to get to. So yes. why not just start with the piece that I want to get to? And then if that does well, go back. And that's a very George Lucas thing, right? You know, I was just going to say that's a Star Wars that's thing. Exactly kind of what he what he gave us, you know. Um, and so I think that that's uh, that's 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 psychologically i guess from a creator standpoint i'm sure like that's probably a lot of the motivation for doing that uh the other thing too is probably you just have that one story and it's like you have a nugget of an idea of how it got there but you didn't really fully flesh it out you just have that one story and then someone's like hey that did really well can you give us more and you're like well i don't know where i can go from there but i can flesh out what's going on here and as a, you know, I've had a few years of writing under my belt, I can kind of really connect some dots that I didn't connect before. Right. So it could be one of those two things. Now, uh, does, the, does the issue anywhere say that it's a prequel to the... No. Nope. It does it right? Only if, you know. <laughs> only if you know. <laughs> only if you only know. Only if you know. Only if you know. So, I mean, uh, the hint is there in the fact that it's Midnight Western Theater with a subtitle called Witch Trial. Right, right. Um, whereas, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I remember there was a book that's called Midnight Western Theater, you know. Uh, but other than that, which is kind of fine, too, because for the new reader discovering this... There's no baggage. There's no 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 hang up. It's they're going in cold and they're reading this for the first time. And it's the beginning of this character's story. And right. then that'll cause them to maybe seek out what comes next, even though if I can't the, first. If, if there's a hint to it, <laughs> hopefully they do. You're right, because there's uh, not even an ad. There's not even an ad in it for, oh, get the trade of the original miniseries. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. So well, maybe, maybe the very last issue. Maybe the last issue, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll we'll hang off for it. All right, wonderful. Midnight <laughs> Theater, uh, Witch Trial. Check it out. This is from uh, Scout Comics, right? Yes. All right, fantastic. All right, I've got the last one. This one is called Savage Squad 6, and this is from Dark Park Comics. Um, all right, so there, it is written by Robert Venditti and Brock D. McKinney, uh, illustrated by Daltz Dalton, colors by Geraldo Filho, and letters by Mika Myers. Uh, Dark Horse, one of our favorite publishers, you know, my, uh, uh, Richardson, right, is, is still at the helm there. Yeah, I think he, yeah. What book did he do last that we read that we liked? Uh, it's escaping me right now. Specifically the Dark just, Horse book, or that he actually was involved. Well, that, no, that he wrote. He wrote. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's okay. I'm not going to worry about it. But yes. Uh, uh, Mike, let us know. Yeah, let us know. Exactly. <laughs> in the comments. Uh, let us know in the comments. Hit us up. Um, okay, so... Yeah, the only thing that I read from Robert Van Diddy was his run on Exo Manowar. Okay. Um, and I, I, thought, I don't know if that was Series 2 or Series 3. Um, but yeah, and I enjoyed it. So when I picked this up, I was like, oh, you know what? I know the writer uh, for that particular thing. I enjoyed it. Uh, let me pick it up. So where does that leave me? Uh, expectations, right? So it's, it's funny because for me, like timelines, when they're disjointed, it, it bothers me. So this opens up with sort of like a, a Suicide Squad mission with a different group. And it's funny because when you're reading it, uh, you have like the, the character pops up and then you sort of have like their dialogue bubble of whatever they're saying. And then underneath it, it would be like uh, a code or call sign, blah, blah. And this is what they do. 
And they went through all of that with all those characters in the very beginning. And it's only about, uh, I want to say what, like three pages, right? One, two, three, four, five pages of that and that situational scenario that they're going through. And then all of a sudden you see what pops out at the end. And like any good old fashioned horror movie, you just got the face going, ah, and then it, it, it shifts to a different time and place um, with different characters. That's cool. That's that's all set up for, all right, these guys are in a fucked up place. That team got all fucked up. And now we're going to meet the new team that's probably going to have something to do with that old team and go rescue it, right? That's me making the assumption and, and connecting the dots. No, that's not what happens. Or at least I, I didn't read it that way. So now you have this new team that's coming on, Savage Squad 6. While this is all taking place in the future, 2037, in this dystopian, you know, America, where you have uh, what they call, I think, the scourge is literally just wiping people off the earth. They're sort of like the uh, the, the super bad guys. Um, and there's all these colonies that are set up. And if you venture outside of the colony, the scourge is there to just take you out or whatever it is. Um, and within these colonies, you have a Savage Squad 6, which isn't clear what it is that they actually do. But they're a group of six women, and they're sent on this mission. After you go through those first five pages, they're being sent on this mission to the same place that the first five pages took place. Huh. However, it's never really mentioned that they're going there to retrieve assets that were there. So I had to make the connection that whatever happened in the beginning they're going to that same place hmm. because there's no communication brought back by that first group, hmm. even though that wasn't said at all. There's only a mention of one asset, but that's it. It has no connection to what happened in the first five pages. Um, and I don't know if it's me, it's the way that I'm reading it, or I need that information to connect that dot where you, like we talk about the gutter spaces all the time, right? The space in between uh, panels. And that's where you use your imagination from one panel moving into the next and you fill in all the gaps of what happens in between the panels. However, that's different. And I, I discern that differently from the information that you're being given and not given. And when you have a scenario where it opens up with a completely different team that we don't know all that off or not, and then a new team is introduced and has no correlation with that first team that bothers the shit out of me, but that's a minor quip here and there. Um, but as the story goes on with the new team that goes on, it's funny. That what, what I, The first thing that popped into my head is they went through all the trouble to give the characters names and sort of like their call sign and what they did for all the characters that died in the beginning. But they didn't do it for the group that's going to be part of this book. So you learn their names because they're having a conversation, obviously, and then you kind of sort of like learn who they are in the group. If they're like communications, uh, a new girl that comes on that is the new medic. Uh, we don't know what happened to the old medic. Um, it's kind of um, in inferred that something really bad happened to her. So that's why they needed a new medic. Um, and so they, they land in, in uh, what is it, somewhere outside of Ukraine near Chernobyl. Um, so there's still radiation on the ground seeping through. Um, and that radiation comes into play at the very end uh, of the book. Um, and it came into play at the very beginning of the book because there's things that are out there that have been affected by the radiation. And then I went down another rabbit hole and I was like, this is me going off on another tangent. So if we look at radiation itself, right? When radiation has affected humans, it's always made them into superheroes. Gamma radiation, spider radiation or, or radioactive spiders. Uh, what else do we have? You're, you're talking comics, not real life. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, real life. Uh, cosmic radiation. You got Fantastic Four. Uh, and then you got like radiation garbage to turn a toxic Avenger into who he was. But whenever it fucking touches animals, it makes them evil. It makes why, them can't, why can't we have a superhero wolf or a bear? It just makes them fucking evil, whatever it is. I just, yeah, it is what it is. Um, in our respect, all right, with because animals, being... animals don't have the uncles that die tragically to inspire them to be superheroes. <laughs> Wait, did they all have uncles? No, the Fantastic Four didn't have anybody die. There's an uncle there somewhere, I'm sure. Some sure, uh, Reed Richards. Oh, no, no. oh, wait, now it's now it's no, out there. It's Sue. No, it's Sue Sue's uncle, uncle touched her. It's a... her, her uncle touched her. That's what it was. It's some it was uncle who there. inspired them to go to space. <laughs> that's, uh, the new, that's the new record. Wait, and then what about what about Banner? You didn't have an uncle that died, right? No, he had no. A, a mean dad, though. Yeah, it was just a, a sad mom. Stuff. But the point <laughs> is that any radiation that says you human it turns to a superhero, anything that touches an animal, turns them evil. So they land in this the outside of Chernobyl, and they're having this, you know, whatever. They're looking for this asset, um, and then it just ends with sort of like this big surprise of like uh, this huge ass bear that comes out and attacks them. Um, and at the very end, the bear, because the bear was being clawed by something else, then we see these huge ass radioactive wolves um, that come out, and that kind of like that, that should jump scare at the very end. Are they nice? Are uh, they heroic? Yeah, they're heroic. They have a lightning bolt on the side of them, which is pretty cool. Um, but with that being said, listen, I, I'm kind of intrigued to see where this is going to go because, you know, outside of Norton, I don't want to say normal, but storytelling that I'm used to where it's the timeline is cohesive or there's a correlation between what's happening in the beginning to what's happening in the middle and the end, even if it's two different groups, you know, what's the connection between the two? I didn't get, we didn't get any of the connections between the two of them in this first issue. So it might move further along and it might, it might for me, it's not even about them. I think that's sort of like the, the suicide squad aspect of it. You had all these like non-playable characters that all died in the beginning. Um, but it would have been nice to know what their assignment was. Was mm -hmm. it to retrieve this team that went missing? So I think that just a, a, a hole in the story plot just kind of bothered me a little bit so I, because I couldn't make that connection. Um, but maybe let's sweep up into the next issue. Uh, you had mentioned it as well, which was I thought was pretty cool. Uh, let's get out of here. Go here. It was the trade dress. The corner box. The corner box. Yeah, Marvel style. Um, the art was pretty cool. The, the the art was, I mean, the the coloring was great. I think the the style of the art was great for this book. It's uh, really, 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 really loose um, in some points, but I actually I really like that. Um, it's not as tight, um, but then in other places like the facial expressions, all of that stuff really, really pops and stuff like that. So, yeah, the artist did a really great job with this book. Um, Dalton. And, Dalton, yeah. That's the uh, mystery. I don't know. Dalton, Dalton, is that a real name? I don't know. Is he uh, related to the to, to Patrick Swayze's character from Roadhouse? Yeah, Roadhouse, which is funny because I they never said Roadhouse in the entire movie. Roadhouse Dalton. Roadhouse Dalton. But here's the deal: if that is his real name, then his parents knew what they were doing, and they were fucking with him <laughs> for his entire life. Dalton, hey, Dalton, is there Dalton, a Dalton? Dalton, Dalton? Dalton. They had a stutter. Uh, Okay, yes. All right, with that being said, though, check it out, Savage Squad 6, especially if you like like uh, team books. Uh, this is from Dark Horse. Yeah, I mean, other than that plot hole that I just could not fill, and it's just probably my OCD when I'm reading books and stuff like that, 
uh, it's probably going to bother me until I get the next issue. <laughs> so uh, we didn't get that many of them. I'm hoping that we do get the next issue because then there's going to be a hole in my head uh, that's just reserved for Savage Squad 6 there. The only thing is uh, I wish they went they went all the way and that the team on the cover was the team from the first three pages. Oh, dude. That if you like just, that, like that, that if you thought this is oh, you look at these guys on the cover. That's really cool. I can't wait to read a whole comic about these guys. And it's so weird. Three pages in there. And it's it's weird because like the whole first group was just all guys, but it, it, that wasn't even like the big thing of it. The big thing of it was like they went to the the trouble of giving you their name, their call sign, and their their what their job was for the group. And then when it got to the main group, who's part of that story, we got nothing um, at all. You got to figure it out on your own. So, but it's all good. Um, all right, that's it. That's all that we have for you guys. We have the three books. We had uh, Sirens of the City from Boom Studios, who can't get their barcodes right. Uh, we had the Midnight Theater um, from Scout Comics, and then Savage Squad 6 from Dark Horse Comics. Check them out. There were some pretty good reads uh, this week. We liked it. Um, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you click subscribe to the podcast. We will be here every week. Next week, I believe we have a guest on, so just look out for that. Um, we should have further details coming up shortly, along with whatever books that are going to be out for next week. Uh, if you are a creator and want to come onto the podcast, just go to amazingactioncomics.com slash podcast, fill out the form. Uh, we'd love to have you on to talk about yourself and or your project. Uh, stay up to date on everything that we got going on at Amazing Action Comics at amazingactioncomics.com. And always, as always, please support your local comic book shops, because without them, we wouldn't have anything to read. John, where do you get your books from? Well, I get my comics at The Joker's Child in Fairlaw, New Jersey. And not only do we have all of these great comics we reviewed, as well as tons of toys, statues, action figures, we also carry comics by the big two as well. And it's summer event season. And DC decided, hey, let's do Halloween in the hot summer. So that's a nice big event that's going on right now. Great jumping on point or jumping off point, whatever you want. But, you know, we got them all at The Joker's Child in Fairlaw, New Jersey. So come on down, say hi, and buy some great comics, toys, and statues. There Not just go. there, but also your local comic shop. Cool. All right. Before we head out, we got a message from Lewis Southard here. Thank hey. you for supporting. Yeah. But wish y'all. Yeah, of course. Listen, we're here every week. We're, we're, we're so into independent comics, small press comics, and stuff like that. So whatever we could do to show some love and support, we're going to do so. Yeah, it's Lewis, all good. come on the show. Let's talk about what's uh, what's been going on with uh, Midnight Western Theater. Yeah, that'd be good because you actually really enjoyed it, right, John? I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I liked the first miniseries. I liked this prequel series. Uh, I'm also intrigued about just the behind-the-scenes stuff as far as what was going on about a year ago. Uh, you know, I'm glad the comic's still coming out, and I hope that there is that live-action adaptation that everybody's happy, especially the creator. There you go. All right. AmazingActionComics.com slash podcast. Lewis, fill it out. We'd love to have you on. Um, so it's all good. Yeah, I like that. See? People listen. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes to what we have to or say. Or search Google for the title of their comic, which is great. <laughs> uh, all right, gang. That's all that we have for you this week. Please, until next time, be amazing. Stay amazing. And read something amazing. Amazing.